Welcome to the podcast, The Stories of Real Authentic Women. We ask women to share one of their most life-changing or traumatic experiences. And then we sit back and listen. You're going to laugh, cry, and be inspired as you listen to these raw stories. I'm Hannah. I'm Cass. And we are your hosts for Raw. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Raw. Real Authentic Women. I'm Cass. And I'm Hannah. And we are going to be hearing from Hannah today. That's right. I'm so excited. <laughs> so welcome, Hannah. Thank you. To our podcast. <laughs> Here All I right. am again. Here we go. Let's dive right in. So Hannah, give us a little bit of, tell us about yourself. Give us a little bit of information. All right. So I grew up in Missouri, actually, small town, Missouri. We lived there with my my mom and dad had a loving, loving family, lived two places in Missouri. So when I was, um, I forget exactly how old I was, but we moved to another small town in Missouri. And um, I'm a middle child. And so kind of probably stereotypically middle child-esque where I don't I just kind of roll along with things, mm-hmm. was very much a peacemaker in our family. So moving, although I probably struggled internally, I didn't make too much of a stink about it. Um, I really enjoyed that move to this other small town in Missouri, Clinton, Missouri, it's called. I was a cheerleader. I was on the band, um, marching band. I was had boyfriends, went to dances. You know, I just, I was kind of in, but when you're in a small town, it's really easy to be a big fish in a, yeah. in a small town. Um, so I felt that way. And then I, we moved, my dad had always had a dream and a desire to move to the West and he got a job opportunity within the same company to move out here to Utah. Mm-hmm. And so he moved our family I was going into ninth grade at the time, okay. and that was that was really rough. But that's how I ended up in Utah, and I went from you know cheerleader, dance, marching band, parties, boyfriends, you name it, I was doing it to Utah with no friends, no hobbies. Hmm. Um, no community, just massive depression. I went into a, in a dark place and, um, kind of stayed there for quite a while (laughs) until I found some really great friends until I found Haley. Haley is still one of my closest friends in Logan. And, um, so that it, that puts me now I'm like 16 years old. I finally get some friends and some interests. I didn't do cheerleading anymore. Didn't do band. Didn't do dance anymore, except the girls dance party where I still crush it at a good dance party. (laughs) Um, And then I decided when I was 17, I wanted to go to college. I wanted to pursue... um, Well, I wanted to pursue a different degree, but my dad would only pay for college if I got a business degree at North Central University. So I went to Minnesota. So a couple places in Missouri, moved to Utah, went to Minnesota in 1999. As an 18-year-old, I was young and dumb, didn't know 
anything. I knew nothing. I should mm-hmm. not have been allowed yeah. <laughs> on my own. Um, I mean, you were married by that time. I could barely I don't know do who laundry. Let me, yeah, who let me get married <laughs> like, that young? I didn't know how to... I knew nothing. <laughs> I can't... I understand now why my dad, he dropped me off at North Central, he and my mom, and he said, it's not too late, Hannah. You can come back home. It's not too late. Like <laughs> He did not want to leave me. Um, so yeah, that brings me to 18 where I, I went to... I moved to Minnesota in 99 and I stayed in Minnesota for 20 years. And that's where I met and married my husband, Chris. We've been married now 21 years, and we have four kids. Our oldest is almost 17. Our youngest is almost eight. And three girls and one little guy that I have. And we've we've lived in Utah now for almost four years. So from Minnesota, I ended up back in Utah, this place that I thought um, I would never come back to because it... Although it was, I loved my years in Utah, it was not, uh, it didn't start out as a great spot for me, but here I am and I actually love it. Love it here. I love having you here. Look at you coming back. Look at me. All right. I, for, well, tell our listeners really quick why you guys moved back to Utah. Yeah. So um, we had been, we both went to a ministry school, graduated as pastors, both licensed. Um, we had been pastoring in a church in Minnesota for almost 15 years and just both felt like we were we were a part of a really large church. So it was one church had multiple campuses and we were campus pastors. We both felt like we wanted to lead a church. God had given us a, a dream and a vision to lead a life-giving church in the West, we knew we wanted to be in the West. We kind of went through Colorado, California, and Utah is just where it landed. It really, when we started talking about Utah, something just came alive in both of us. Mm-hmm. And so when we started looking into Utah then, especially in the area that we're in, in South Jordan, um, it was one of the fastest growing areas at the time in Utah. And so many people coming into Silicon Slopes. And so we decided, what a great place to, to plant a life-giving church in a place where there, there isn't a shortage of LDS churches. Mm-hmm. So if you're a part of that faith and belief, you are set. But so many people moving in are not a part of that faith and belief culture. And so we decided to plant our church here where there was a lot of growth and need. And so we planted a church in 2020 and celebrate our three-year uh, birthday of Seago Church in November. Your fourth? No, three. We've lived here four. Oh, okay, three. But we, That's right. Yeah, this will be our third. You would know better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay, I'm going to jump back and ask you um, a fun question. I want to know what is one of your earliest childhood memories? Wow, earliest childhood memories. You know... What's hard about this is where do memories come from, right? Like, right. do I see a picture and now I remember because I saw that picture? Do I really remember it? So when I was thinking about this question, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really think, what is a memory, not, not a moment that I remember from a picture? And what came to mind was when we moved from, in, I grew up in Carthage, Missouri, small town 
loved it. We lived in this really, really old jankety house. Um, and my parents, I think all of us, almost all of us were born in that home. Actually, I was born, this is kind of funny. My mom had all of her children at home, mm-hmm. all natural. And so I was born on a bed that my parents continued to sleep on, which was no big deal then. But now I'm like, there is no way I would be sleeping on the mattress that I birthed a child in. Right. My hippie mom, she she did <laughs> things like that. But um, so one of my earliest childhood memories is when we moved from that house, rackety old house, into this home on 399B. Carthage, Missouri. It was country living at its best, huge backyard. We had a deck. Everything was new. It felt like a mansion compared to this home that we had moved into. And, you know, as a kid, um, it just felt like this is, this is nice. This Mm -hmm. feels really special. Like I just remember feeling so special and so like taken care of in a new way mm-hmm. because we moved from this not so great house into this beautiful home and we lived there uh, the rest of our time in Carthage so it has a lot of good memories of growing up there yeah and just appreciating the yes. the beauty of that home yep that's awesome that's cute hannah tell me Ask me. Here we go. We're <laughs> gonna we're gonna dive right in to what Hannah is gonna be sharing with us today. So tell us what you'll be sharing um, in regards to what has been one of the most traumatic or life changing experiences you've gone through in your life. Awesome. Well, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was because of how amazing people's stories are. And how you don't maybe realize how amazing your story is until you start thinking about it or talking about it. I think there's something different that happens when we start verbalizing yeah. what we've gone through. And so um, there's two two ways, traumatic or life-changing. That was kind of the, the directions we chose. We could take the stories and the conversations. And... Um, Lord knows I've had enough traumatic experiences. <laughs> and I decided I didn't I didn't want to focus on that today. I wanted to kind of talk about one of the most life-changing experiences. Okay. And it has to do with um, being in the room and in the moment when both my father passed away of cancer and then the next month my best friend passed away of cancer as well. And so what happened was my dad, he, he had died, uh, he died of pancreatic cancer and he had been sick. And in the season of him being sick, we, he had been, went into hospice in May. And so we were provided a great opportunity for, for, there was flexibility in my job. I could go and be with my mom who at the time still lived in Missouri, mm-hmm. in Mount Vernon, Missouri. And um, so I got to spend a lot of time with my dad in his in his last weeks of life. He was in hospice a total of six weeks. And if any one of you have, if you've ever experienced hospice, there's definitely a time where you get to like, this just needs to end. Like we just want him 
to yeah. die because it's there's pain yeah. and it it keeps going and you're so ready for the ending to be there and and so my dad he um one of the really cool things about my dad's sickness is that in the moment that he found out he had cancer he had he had tried to call me right away and um I didn't answer the phone, and so we didn't talk until later. But my mom had said, as soon as the doctor said, we found cancer in your pancreas, and it had spread through his body. And um, in the after conversations with my mom, he said, I just want to know Jesus. I just want to know that I'm going to heaven. And for those words to come out of my father, who was very reserved uh, in his faith and in his belief, and Growing up with my dad, it he was always a, somewhat distant or removed from expressing his faith. We would go to church, but there were times where he wouldn't go to church and just we would go to church. And, um, you know, honestly, there were, I wouldn't have known where my dad stood on, is he a believer? Does he believe even in heaven mm-hmm. and hell and the afterlife? What What is it? And so for him to verbalize that being his, his greatest hope is to know Jesus and to have the hope of eternity with Jesus yeah. was um, powerful mm-hmm. because it death, I think, has this way of sharp, it sharpens your senses. Yeah, It sharpens like what am I here for? What am I doing? And when you face death, you have to face some of the toughest questions. And so seeing my dad um, from the moment of his diagnosis to his death, there was 18 months that he got to to live. Wow. And, um, and we just saw this transformation in my dad, my reserved father who would never lift his hands in worship would lift his hands in worship. Wow. He would sit in service and tears would stream down his face because of he's he's again processing the truth of who Jesus is and the hope that he has mm-hmm. in eternity with Jesus in this brand new way where it's like everything we're we're talking about I'm going to experience in a matter of months yeah. maybe. You know, it's just I think it it did something something came alive in him in the moment that he finds out he's dying. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the the beauty of the hope we have in Jesus, mm-hmm. that it is, there's this idea that you find life in death. Yeah. And when you're dying, literally he's dying and he's finding this new life, mm-hmm. this new way of processing everything he's going through. And so um, there would be, there were meals that we would sit as a family and he would pray for the meal and he could barely even get out a prayer oh. just with gratitude for knowing Jesus in an intimate way now. And it was just beautiful. It was so beautiful to see this man that I grew up with 18 years of my life, seeing this reserved man who I knew loved me and and had a respect for church and had a respect for faith Um but I never saw him live it out in this way. And so we get to the moment where he's in hospice and we're with him. And he would ask me to just read the Bible to him. Mm-hmm. He would ask me to just, um, he had this favorite album. It was a, a Hillsong album where they were 
they had gone to, I think it was Israel and different sites in Israel, and he would watch these worship videos and just just soak in the presence of this beautiful music. So we would listen and worship together, and it got to the time where he he was no longer speaking. Um, he hadn't moved in days, and it was the day... Um, me and my brother were taking different shifts and my my brother had been resting and I was the one that was awake. My mom came down at 2 a.m. She had been sleeping upstairs in their guest room because my dad had, in hospice had taken over the master bedroom. And um, so my mom was upstairs sleeping and she just awoke at 2 a.m., decided to come down and uh, she whispered something in my dad's ear. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but she whispered something and gave him a kiss and then went, back up to bed. And I was awake and I was watching one of my Korean dramas. That's what I <laughs> I did yeah. to keep myself wide awake was oh. watch this cheesy um, Korean drama. And so on one eye is on this show and I'm just listening, trying to keep myself awake and the other eye is on my dad. And um, the only way I can explain this and it until you experience it, it's really hard to believe this can happen. But the only way I can explain it is that there was there was no sound, there was no movement that he make, but there was a presence that entered the room. Mm. And I knew it. The atmosphere shifted. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my dad, and it and there was just this atmosphere and this presence. And I looked at my dad and I went, I stood up and I went to him. And I started speaking to him, Dad, are you still with us? Are you here, Dad? Dad, it's okay. You can, you can go. We've said our goodbyes. We love you. You know, and I just started whispering. And I put my hand on his chest, and I could feel the, the breathing was going. Mm-hmm. But as his breathing is going, that atmosphere is lifting. Wow. And... In his, in his last breaths, there was, it's so crazy. Me and my brother actually took a picture of this because my, my dad, who hadn't spoken, hadn't moved in days at this point, mm-hmm. um, he gets this grin on his face. And then he was gone. Oh. He, he was done. And I'm telling you, we had been speaking to my dad all along. We had been reading to him. We knew that he was still, you know, there's, he's still in the room, even though he's um, not speaking to us. We knew that his spirit and his soul were still there. So we were still engaging him. And there was never a smile or a grin or a noise. Mm-hmm. And so in that moment, when, when I felt that atmosphere shift, I really believe it was Jesus, angels, the presence of God came and were ushering him home. And in the joy of that moment, in the joy of being received into eternal hope and this eternal life of Jesus, he smiled, he, smiled. he grinned, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. And so I woke my brother up and I said, Nathan, come over here. Do you see this? Do you see this on my on dad's face? And he's like, he's grinning. <laughs> he's grinning. And we're like, yeah. So we called mom and um, she came down and, and then it, it got really sad after all of that. But, right. <laughs> um, because that it's, it's hard. It's hard mm-hmm. to lose someone you love. But in that moment, to be in that moment and see someone who put 
all their hope mm-hmm. and all their trust and all their faith that even in death, I'm not going to be afraid. Yeah. I don't have to be afraid because I know that what Jesus said, His promises are true. And that when, when I pass from this life, I'm not going to nothing. I'm not going to a right. void. I'm not going to a darkness. I'm not even going to something that I don't understand or know. Of course, there's mysteries in all yeah. of it, but He knew there, there was a home he was going to that Jesus had prepared for him. And that grin tells me that he saw it mm-hmm. in that moment. And so I loved that. And then the next month, my dear friend had been struggling with breast cancer. She had a diagnosis, and I think she she thought that she went through all sorts of treatments her first round through, and then it came back. And, um, and so she had... Kind of at the same time that my dad was really sick, my best friend was was equally sick. Um, and so she had gone to the hospital and um, they were praying for a miracle. And we had really believed that there was going to be a miracle. And she, you know, I had said earlier, death heightens your senses. Like mm-hmm. when you, you know, even when you're sick, like the small touch on your arm, like it just, ooh, everything feels heightened. And I remember visiting her at her house and she could barely talk. And she was on the couch and I went in and I got real close to her face and like, hey friend, so good to see you. She said, you're too close. (laughs) (laughs) Like she was, everything was so heightened for her. Like I was too close and I was too loud and you know me. I'm not a super loud person. You're not. I'm blamed for mumbling quite a bit. But um, so we're in the hospital and my friend, she loved a party and she knew how to draw draw a crowd. We, She's the kind of friend that I was in the delivery room for her firstborn son. Oh. Um, she just wanted people. The more, the merrier. So I think there were like, I don't know, eight of us in the delivery room. Wow. When she's pushing out her first baby, right? So um, that's just her. She loved people. She loved a party. And so she's she's dying. And we're in a hospital room and people, just her family, her sisters, people are coming. Her close friends were there. So they actually gave us a bigger hospital room. Mm -hmm. And... um, We'd been praying and there had been worship music going and we decided, let's go to dinner and we'll come, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and see her. And as our dinner is wrapping up, we get a phone call from our friend and he says, you need to come back. And here we are just enjoying our delicious Greek food. Also, some of my favorite kind of enjoying just this time as friends together, enjoying a meal and and we're called back and we get to the hospital room and within that hour, things, everything shifted. And so worship music is going and there's probably 12 of us in this room that are praying and really believing that there's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing her husband was standing over the, her bed and she had five children two of which were in the room and they're they're on their mom's bed and they're huddled up around their legs. And all of a sudden her husband starts like doing this motion where he's pulling out arrows and shooting them up to the sky. Hmm. 
and it's so weird and it's so random and there's people singing and um and praying and he's doing this and then and then he stops and a couple moments later Tiffany starts raising her hand and Tiffany hadn't spoken for a couple I don't know how long she hadn't spoken for a while and there'd mm-hmm. been very little movement eyes hadn't been opened Tiffany starts raising her hand in worship wow. and she then it drops and then she raises her hand again and I'm thinking this is the moment <sighs> yes she's gonna be okay she's getting up yeah. out of this bed look at her like she had not expressed that level of strength in uh-huh. days and mm-hmm. here she is she's here's worshiping your, here's your miracle here's our miracle and um and then that same atmosphere shift comes into the room that I had just experienced four weeks earlier with my dad. The presence of God. Thanks for listening, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was encouraging and blessed your life today. We just want to remind you that you also have a story and it matters. Go ahead and share that story with people in your life. If you also would like to email us to share your story and possibly be on the podcast, we would love to hear from you. So you'll find our email address in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and your family, and make sure you join us the next time. Until then, raw out. Be sure to join us next week for part two of Hannah's story.